Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. To inherit the land that I swore to your fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from the right or the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you... Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I did that all in one breath. Whew. Okay. We're going to dive in and I want, I'll be sharing some personal stories because I want to get real with you tonight. Is it okay? Can we get real? Ask the person next to you. Can you get real? Tell them it's about to get real in here. All right. That's what I want to do. I'm going to share some personal stories too, but I want to start out with just some fun. We, we went to youth camp. Several years back, and at this youth camp, there was this thing that people loved to do, and it was called the faith pole. And this is at Circle Six. And what you would do is you would climb up this 30-foot pole, and in front of you is a bar. And you have to jump off that pole and grab that bar. It just kind of tests your faith, you know. Do you trust the guy holding the rope down there? So one of the big challenges was to complete the faith pole at this camp. You had to jump and grab that pole. And once you got to the top, you'd stand on this small little platform. And I did this once. I'm not doing it again, but I did this once. You stand on this small little platform, and after standing up, the idea was to jump off and to grab the swing in front of you, which was a pretty good distance. I got it one time, I think. But you would jump off and grab it. And one of our youth, she got to the top of the pole, no problem. In fact, it was a pretty easy climb for her to get up to the top of this pole. Her problem came when she got to the top, She looked down and she was terrified. 30 foot up, a stiff breeze behind her back. And and when you're up there, it feels like you're moving. The pole's not moving, but it feels like it just because of the breeze. So nothing to hold on to. In reality, she was perfectly safe. She was okay because it was a trained guy. And he was down at the bottom holding the climbing rope. And, and that, that had, she had a harness around her, but he was holding the rope and he was fully trained. He had done this countless of times. I watched him all day. She watched him all day. And yet, as she looked around, all she could do was hold tightly of the pole and cry out in fear. She did not want to go down. And I called to her, logically explaining, hey, nothing's wrong. It's okay. Just, just jump. But imagine... The terror was more than logic could handle. She was just afraid. She would try to reach out the swing in front of her, but I told you it was a good distance. She couldn't reach it so because it was a number of feet away. Yet she would not let go of the pole. She wouldn't embrace the change and move forward. Now, she did this for a long time, quite over 30 minutes. We almost missed lunch. And if she was going to enjoy the new journey... In her life, she was going to have to let go of the pole. She was going to have to jump if she wanted to be successful. She would have to leave the security of the pole and let go, trusting in the safety of the rope, knowing the faithfulness, skilled guy there that was trained would take care of her. 
ultimately, she finally let go and just fell. And after that, she was satisfied. She was happy. And guess what? The next day, she's like, I want to go again. I was like, no, no, no. I think we tested your faith. You're good. But she went again, and she did fine. And this was the case, as we just studied here or just read here, this was the case for Israel as well. Things had changed. Moses had died. The wilderness was behind them. And they stood at the threshold receiving, looking to receive the promised land in front of them. It was a time to let go of the past and move forward and go forward. They, they would have to let go of what was behind them and they would have to embrace the change that was in front of them. Would they display faith in the Lord? Would they this time put their faith in God? Now we know that they spent 40 years there because of them not trusting in God. They kept wanting to go back to Egypt, back to the world, back to the way of life before. And so they were going to have to trust God and step forward. And what I want to do now I want to just, before we just really dive into this message, before we dive in, I want to, in intro, I want to share just my heart. Many of you, some of you know me, some of you don't. So I want to give you just a small little background and testimony of my life and and how stepping forward and trusting God can change each and every one of us. Now, when we talk about our own lives, we're not talking about becoming a better us. That's not what it's about. It's becoming used by God, becoming that empty vessel for God. That's what it's about. It's about letting Him shine and grow through you. And that's what we talk about when we talk about embracing change. It's not becoming a better you. It's becoming better Christian for God, for Him, so people can see who He is and give Him the glory and honor and trust in Him. And so as we talk here, I want to give you a background. I don't know if you know where rural Texas is, 60 miles north of Abilene. I grew up in rural Texas. And this little little bitty town, if you blink, you're going to miss it. So I grew up in this small little town. We moved there when I was four years old from Lubbock and moved back, of course. But my dad, he was a roofer, and he wanted to chase hailstorms. I know that sounds kind of weird, but he wanted to go where it was hailing, where all the damage was getting done, because a, a roofer, you get more jobs that way. So we moved to rule this small little town, and my grandparents still lived here in Lubbock. And my granddad was a pastor, so he would travel around a lot and preach. And so we would spend time in Lubbock a lot and travel with them. And my grandfather, who was a Baptist preacher, he taught me a lot about salvation in Christ. I mean, I could spit it out and tell you, but my heart wasn't changed. And so one time, my granddad was preaching, and of course, I just I got bored and tired of listening to him preach. So I decided I was going to crawl under the pew and just come from the back and go to the front, just crawl back and forth. And when I came from the back, I got on the pew and I started riding it like a bull and swinging my hand around. And my parents, who were close to the back, began to look at each other and like, I'm not going to get that kid. You go get that kid. I'm not getting that kid. And so my granddad, he stepped off the pulpit, went down there, took me back to my parents, and then got back up and preached. I tell you what, that was not a very good ride home. I got in trouble all the way home. But I say that to say this. I I really just didn't listen. You know, and, and my conversion came when I was 13 years old. I came to the knowledge that I needed a Savior, that I needed the Lord. Even though I knew the gospel, I knew it backwards and forward. I didn't realize that I had a need for a Savior. That I heard that once I heard the pastor was up there at this tent revival, and once I heard the bad news, I was like, man, I need that. And I realized when the preacher said, if you don't know Christ, if you don't have a relationship with Christ, you will spend eternity separated from God. 
That scared me to death. And so, at that moment, I gave my life to the Lord. Now, I say life because I'm, I'm going to emphasize on that. And from that day forward, I had a desire to know the Lord, to come to know Him more and more. But for the next few years, I wasn't growing in my relationship with God because I had one foot in the world and one foot in the Lord. Anybody ever try to walk like this? It doesn't work. It doesn't work if you're trying to live for God and trying to live in the world. And I couldn't walk that way. It was terrible for me and for my life. And so for me to go forward, it was just one problem after another. And I want to share a few wounds with you. And I'll call them wounds because we all have them. We all have things in life that put us where we are. And so I want to share the first wound that kind of happened in my life. At the age of 16, my mom and dad, after 20 years, they got a divorce. And my mom and two sisters, they stayed in Lubbock, and we moved to Matador with my dad, or I did. And it's crazy when your parents are separated, and now I don't, I'm separated from my mom and my two sisters, and all the friends and everybody I ever knew growing up, growing up. And this, this kind of rocked my world, and I felt like I lost everything. While I was in Matador, I just kept feeling this great desire to know the Lord, but I just didn't know how to grow. I just didn't know how to grow in the Lord. And when I lived in Matador, we lived there for about six months, and then we moved back to Lubbock. Well, here comes wound number two. And when I was in Matador, I met this guy named Jody. We became best friends. He lived with me there for a while I was there. But then I moved back to Lubbock, and he, he became my best friend. And we hung out all the time. We were together all the time. And then one day, my senior year, he came over to help me change my radio, and uh, he asked me. He said, man, I just, I just don't know what the meaning of life is. I don't know what life's all about. I don't even know why I'm here. I think life's pointless. And I tell you what, guys. I knew. I felt. The, have you ever felt the Holy Spirit when you're visiting with somebody that you need to share the gospel with them? I felt that, and I ignored it. And man, I tell you what, it crushed me because the next day, my best friend took his life, and it hit me hard. And after that, man, my life became a sinking ship. I began to go into this darkness, this depression, and I just... And I was thinking, man, I knew what I should. And, and in that, man, I just started doubting the Lord and doubting everything. And my life wasn't growing. And I went, I would go to church and pastor would give an invitation. And every week I'd come forward. Man, I need to give my life to Christ. And so one day he came down and he said, come to my office afterwards. He's like, Terry, you know the Lord. What is the matter with you? Why do you? And, and then I said, I don't know, man. I just have this desire, but I just don't know. I, I just feel mixed up. And I, I want to share this story. You know the Desmond Doss story, Hacksaw Ridge. I don't know if you've ever seen that. I'm not endorsing the movie. I'm not saying that. But this guy, he would say, one more, one more. And he said, 75 soldiers. And I say that to say this. That's how I feel like with Jesus with me. Because he's like, man, one more. I, I'm going to get you to where you need to be. And I say that because I'm going to tie all this in together here in a second. But the healing came. When this pastor, I met with him, and he began to teach me how to study God's Word. And he taught me that it wasn't about me trying to earn God's favor. It was me just loving God because he already loves us. Me growing in a relationship with God. He began to teach me to study the Bible and to know the Bible and to walk in God's truth. And I tell you what, I couldn't put the Bible down. I began to just read it and study it, and it was awesome. And I loved it. And I say that because... In life, I don't know, 
each and every one of your lives, but I know that there's wounds in life. We have things in life that happen to us. The rain falls on the just and the unjust. Life happens. But let me tell you something about wounds. Wounds mean you have not healed. Look down if you have a scar on your arm or somewhere. What does that mean? That scar means that wound has healed. And that's what Christ did in my life. And I'm going to unpack these verses and I'm going to share with you. But I, I just wanted to talk for a minute about my life. So I, you could kind of get to know me and we could kind of get to know each other together as we walk through this. So transition. Tonight I want to talk about embracing transition. Now transition, the word transition by definition means the process or period of changing from one state of condition to another. We all experience transition in life. If you're not going through some sort of transition right now, get ready because it's around the corner and it'll happen. I mean, we, don't, we can't choose what transition we have in life. We can't choose what change. Cancer can hit us. Death can hit us. The death of a loved one, a car, anything. We can't determine that, what happens in life. All we can do is determine how we handle the change and transition in our life. Stepping into a new path. It can be hard. And to be honest, it can be frightful. However, in those times of transition is where the greatest growth comes from. I know if you ever come out of a trial, you're like, man, man, I grew closer to God. I don't want to go back through that, but I grew closer to God. And that's what it has. So as believers, we should always be progressing on our spiritual journey. However, many times we stop short of receiving what God wants for us and what he wants us to have. Israel, in our story, before this, had stopped short when they failed to enter the promised land the first time. In their disobedience, they wandered in the wilderness instead of receiving what God had promised them. They wandered around. Our stopping short may be a result, it could be a result of holding on to some sin or refusing to follow God's direction in our life in a certain matter. But the end result is this. Because we wonder, we fail to enjoy the journey that Christ has before us. We fail to enjoy Him. Instead of focusing on the other stuff, we fail to enjoy Him. So how do we move from where we are today to where God wants us to be? Good question. I'm glad you asked that. I'm going to help you out as we look through this. So, before we dive in, we must unpack the life of Joshua before us. The background of Joshua. So, the book of Joshua, it's an exciting military conquest. Joshua was a successor of Moses. The first five chapters are about entering into the promised land. God had miraculously preserved the Israelites through the wilderness, wondering by providing manna and quail and feeding them. When Joshua led them across the Jordan, the manna, it stopped. And they entered into the promised land. Israel was delivered from Egypt and their bondage that they had. And so these, these were historical events, but they were not only historical events. God speaks through history to give us an example of this deliverance from the bondage of sin that they had. And Paul makes it clear in 1 Corinthians 10.6. And so the central act of redemption in the New Testament is the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. But the central act of redemption in the Old Testament is the deliverance from Egypt, which is a type 
of the world. And that's what Egypt represents, a type of the world, our sin of where we lived in, that Christ saves us and takes us out of that bondage. Israel was led by Moses in the wandering in the Sinai wilderness. And during this time, Israel experienced a supernatural uh, province such as the supply of manna and water from the rock and the pillar of cloud by day and the fire by night as God set forth and went before them. During this time, they also received divine revelation, the Mosaic Law. He built the law. God gave him the law. God communicated to them his standard of holiness. And this land of Canaan represents the destination of God's people, the promised land of where he had them to go, where he wanted them to go into this promised land. This is not the ultimate destination. As some well hymns, you know, when I was a kid, we would sing a, a hymn that talked about the Jordan. It would go like this. I look over the Jordan, and what do I see coming for to carry me home? A bond of angels coming after me, coming for to carry me home. You see, biblically, the land over Jordan, the the promised land, does not speak of heaven, but it speaks of the abundant life that Christ wants us to have. It speaks of where Christ wants us to be. Now, here's the thing. Some of us, we live in the wilderness as Christians. And we we like to stay there. But that's not the intended place of where God wants you to be as a believer. And I hope you know that. And what does it mean if we say the promised land? We cross the Jordan and we live in this place of the promised land. We, We live in this place where we have the abundant life. What's the abundant life? It's where we are making disciples. We're discipling others and we're being discipled. It's where fruit is. Fruit grows. But that's not how it is in our world today. Many Christians live in the wilderness where they're not growing and they're not learning and they're not teaching and making disciples because they're kind of comfortable there. They, they look back at Egypt, the life we used to live in, like, man, it was good there. And it's like, God, I want you here. I want you to be making disciples. I want you to be growing. I want you to be learning in the Lord. And that's what we're going to kind of see as we look in this book and uh Joshua, he is a type, a model of Jesus. And I don't know if you know that, but Jesus, Joshua, Yahshua, which means God is salvation. Joshua began a life in Egypt under a slave taskmaster, but he became obedient to the Lord. Moses gave Hoshea, son of Nun, his name, Joshua, Yahshua, meaning the Lord is salvation. And I shared with you my story of my life, and God is salvation. It's not about, we're from Texas, we pick ourselves up by our own bootstraps. No, it's God picks me up. God carries me. You know, people say, hey, Terry, uh, God is your crutch. Uh, No, Jesus is not my crutch. He's my stretcher. I was dead in my trespasses and sin. God carried me and brought life to me connected me back to God. And that's what, that's what we see here. When Moses sent 12 spies to scout out the land, only Joshua and Caleb believed that God could conquer the land. Joshua and Caleb believed that the Israelites could conquer the land with God's help. Because the unbelief of the people of Israel, God sent the Jews into wandering in the wilderness for 40 years until the unfaithful generation had died off. And of the spies, only Joshua and Caleb were able to go in the promised land. Now Moses, he got to see the promised land from the hill 
but he did not get to enter it in. Why? If you know the books, if you know the Bible, uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, we see that Moses was told to speak to the rock, but then he hit the rock when he was supposed to speak to it. So he didn't enter in the promised land. And before the Jews entered Canaan, Moses died and Joshua became the successor. Spies were sent into Jericho and Rahab the prostitute sheltered them to help them escape. And I'm just giving you the background of Joshua. They swore to protect Rahab and her family when the army invaded. And to enter in the land, the Jews had to cross the flooded Jordan River. They had to cross this river. When the priests and the Levites carried the Ark of the Covenant into the river, the water stopped flowing. This miraculous mirrored the one that happened to the Red Sea. Joshua followed God's strange instruction when it came to the Battle of Jericho. Now, you've got to realize Jericho was this military city. I mean, it was the capital. And when they went in, they took out it first. And do you know that the book of Joshua, if you study through the book of Joshua and the victories that God took place in Joshua, we work down from victory as a Christian. you know that? It's not we're trying to get to the victory. Jesus already won the battle. We have the victory. We work down from that victory and say, God has already made the victory. All I got to do is live it out and trust God and walk in his truth. And so as you see this military power, this Jericho, that's the first place they take out. And it's really cool what God does because, it, you know, Joshua becomes this military commander, this military leader, and he goes in, and God doesn't say, okay, take your machine guns and your tanks and everything, and let's take them out. No, what does he say? Walk around. Walk around. And then on the seventh day, trumpet, yell. Boom, walls come down. That's how God works. Miraculously takes out that city And so you look at this and you say, okay, in our Christian walk, in our Christian life, there's still battles. Actually, when you accept Jesus as your Savior, get ready, because the battles are coming. But the cool thing about this story and this study that we see after the death of Moses, Joshua begins to embrace the change and walk in God's truth. And so I want to begin and just talk about these life lessons of Joshua and how Joshua What did he do first? Let's look at it. If you're with me, it says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise. Go over the Jordan, you and all the people, into the land that I'm giving to them, to the people of Israel. Wait, what does he say? The land that I am giving. He already claimed it. He already told them, I'm giving you this land. He didn't tell him, hey, if it works out, you can take the land. No, he said, I'm giving you this land. So first of all, as we look at this, Joshua, he had to receive the challenge. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people, get ready. Get ready to do what? Maybe cross the Jordan? No, get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land that I'm going to give you to the Israelites. And so we think of that. And we look at this great challenge, and that's where we stand as believers. It's like, man, I'm struggling, I'm I'm looking at the wounds that I had, the past that I had, but I know Jesus is my Savior. Man, some people make Jesus their Savior, they accept Christ as their Savior, but they never make Jesus Lord of their life. And what does that mean? 
That's when you wake up and the first thing you think about is Jesus. The only thing you think about is, man, I cannot take a step forward without knowing Christ and growing closer to Him and having this relationship with Him. To have this life that nothing matters, but it's my relationship with God that I make Jesus my Lord in my life. That whatever happens, cancer comes, heartache comes, trials come. Don't matter. I trust Jesus. Ultimately, I follow Him and I do what He calls me to do. And so we look at this and we see that Joshua, they begin, he's told to go cross the Jordan River. Now, the Jordan River is a cool place. I don't know if you've ever been to Israel, but they let you baptize right there in the Jordan River. And John the Baptist, he would have baptized in this place right there in the Jordan River where they crossed. And so it's really cool to see, man, they put up these stones, these memorial stones, as a reminder of how far God brought them. God brought them from the wilderness to the life he's called us to. Now, why is that important? Why do I make emphasis on that as we trust God? Because first of all, this is a challenge to the untamed. The Jordan River was at flood stage. And so we can see that the Jordan River is at flood stage. It's, it's untamed. And Joshua 3.15 tells us that. talks about the time of when the Jordan River was flooded. And so uh, he moves on. The land becomes dry. He moves across it. However, we honor God in our willingness to trust Him. He steps into the river to trust Him. The Ark of the Covenant, they move it in. They trust God. They step out of the wilderness and into the land that God had called them to. And this is, it was a challenge to the unknown. The Israelites weren't, they were prepared to walk where they had never walked before. They were prepared to go where they'd never gone before. And you gotta remember, they wandered around in the wilderness for 40 years. I mean, it was a somewhat, some people say like a 15 day journey. And 40 years they spent. But I say that to say this. How many of us in our life have spent year after year spiritually dry. Spiritually not walking where God wants us to walk. You know what God calls us to do? What does Matthew tell us? Matthew 28. Go therefore make disciples. We should be discipling people and people should be discipling us. And that's a cycle of what God wants us to do. But some people, they live in this place of dryness and they never trust God and they never step and allow God to go before them, to allow God to live out the calling that he's called us to. So then he looks on and we recognize God's commitment. In verse 5, it tells us, No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. And he goes on to tell him. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause the people to inherit the land that I swore the fathers to give them. Okay, we think about Joshua. The first, there's a thing when you're studying the Bible, and it's called first mention. And Joshua, the first mention of Joshua is in this great battle. You remember the battle where uh, they had to hold up Moses' hand, and Joshua's out there fighting. We hear of Joshua the first time, and we see that God is showing us that Joshua is going to be this leader. We see this picture of who Joshua is. And so as we think about this and we think about where Joshua is in his life and what God has done through him, I think, you know, Joshua was the firstborn of none. And he would have had some interest, you know, in Egypt when they put the blood on the doorpost. What, what would have happened if they wouldn't have done that? Joshua was the firstborn. 
It would have taken his life. So here he begins to see this. And I say this because Joshua sees this. He sees the blood on the doorpost and how they look past that because of the blood on the doorpost representing Jesus Christ. And so we see Joshua, he begins to grow and he begins to see God do some great things. And then he walks in the wilderness and he's there. And he's right beside Moses, and he sees the provision that God gives him, the manna, the quail, everything that God has done. And so Joshua begins to see this. And what does Joshua begin to do? He develops this trust for God, this faithfulness for God, this way of trusting God. And that's what, that's what we do in our walk with the Lord. You know, I love to journal. I don't know if you journal, but it's very important that we journal. And what I love to do is write things down that God speaks to me or things I'm praying for, and then I look back. And it's crazy how when you start to look back 10, 15 years back into a journal, you're like, man, God has brought me a long way. It's crazy how far God has brought me. And I believe that's what Joshua was seeing. He was seeing that God is faithful. And so that's why he said we can step forward and we can go forward and we can cross this river and we can fight these battles that God has for us because God already claimed the land. Do you know what Jericho was? They were, they were worshiping the moon god. And so he's like, no, God already owns this land. God's already claimed this land. God already has the victory for us. All we have to do is cross the Jordan, step into that, trust him, walk in faith, walk in his truth, and walk into what he's called us to do. And that's what Joshua does. And because of that, he leads the Israelites to victory, after victory, after victory. Only because Joshua's a powerful man? No. Because he trusted God. He trusted that God would walk with them and walk through them. And so, so we see here, we recognize God's commitment. And then, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. Okay, I'm not talking about prosperity. I'm not talking about you get everything you want. You drive the Rolls Royce, the nice car, you get the Rolex watch, you get whatever you want if you become it. No, it's not like that. What I'm talking about when we talk about the abundant life is walking in His truth. Loving God, loving people, and just having this great relationship. And that's what I love to do on the Wednesday night Bible study is to come together and look at God's Word and realize we're all, we were all in this same boat of sin, of depravity. But God is sovereign and God is loving. And He stepped down. Not religion where we step up. He stepped down, took our place, And like Joshua, we can walk in victory if we trust him. God already told them that, man, this land is yours. He didn't say, go and fight for the land, Joshua. Fight for that land and you'll, you can probably take it. No. He said, I'm giving you this land. This land is already yours. Guess what? The victory is already yours in Christ. Do you know that? Maybe you're down and depressed and hurt or struggling or some, going through something. The victory is already won. God has already claimed that victory when He died on the cross for you. And all we have to do, just fall deep in love with Him. Once we enter in this relationship with Him, man, we live in this abundant life where we just trust God. And every day we get up, we take the step forward and say, God, I trust you into these untamed challenges, into these things, because in, in life, we're still going to have challenges. We're still going to have trials. We're still going to have struggles. We're still going to have battles. But we know that the permanent presence of God is always before us, and we respect God's command. And verse 7 says, Only be strong and very courageous. 
being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from the left or the right hand that you may have good success wherever you go. I love that because it says only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to the law. Now, you see the first five books, the Pentateuch, the Torah, the first five books is the law. The law is a measuring stick. It takes us and shows us our sin and our need for God. But Jesus, he is the one that saves us. And so when they come out of Egypt, they were, they, they were saved. God saved them. When we come out of the world and we accept Christ, God saves us. But to walk in that abundant life, we've got to trust in him daily and what he wants to do in and through us. So how does it say? It says, be careful to keep the law. Study God's word. Meditate on the word day and night. And as we read that, it's not, it's not saying maybe you should. No, meditate on the word day and night. Now, I've been doing this study about, you know, studying the word. Making sure that we study the word and not not study it because, oh, I gotta study the book, I gotta study the book. No. We study it just like we would our wife or our relationship. You know, we want to get to know God. We want to trust God and walk in God's truth. And so that's why we begin to study the word. But I was reading this book and it said, and this blew my mind, it said eighty percent of Christians don't read the Bible every day. But what really blew my mind, it said 75% of pastors only read the Bible to study it to preach. I was like, man, no wonder we feel like that we're being defeated. Because we have to study God's Word. We have to meditate on God's Word, live out God's Word. And that's where we come to see the abundant life. And so he says, be careful to obey the law of my servant Moses gave to you. Do not turn from the right or the left that you may have success wherever you go. And so, just as Israel was to obey the law, we are to implement God's Word in our lives daily. We cannot treat Scripture like a buffet line. Anybody ever been to a buffet line where you get to pick and choose? Uh, okay, yeah, I don't like that, God, but I do like... Oh, yeah, I like that. Yeah, I like that. But we can't do that. We look at God's Word, and we use it as a mirror. And we say, man... That doesn't match how I live. That doesn't, man, that, I should be doing this. Or I, I should trust the Lord, you know, take every thought captive. Learning the word, living out the word, and that's what God's word's about. It's about allowing us to look more and more like Christ. And it should be a constant. God told Joshua not to vary from the law. He was to obey the entire law and to do whatever it says and then that's what joshua would go on to say that me and my house we're going to serve the lord and that's what he did and that's what we see god joshua received the challenge he was a challenge to the untamed he walked through it and he recognized god's commitment that god was going to be there and god was going to provide and it was a powerful presence of god and he respected God's command. And he walked in and through that. And so I say all this to say that as you, as, you know, we just barely brushed the surface of Joshua. It's a good book to study. It's one of my favorite books to study because it just shows the life that we should be in walking in the Lord. And so, like I said, I just brushed the surface. Hopefully, if you've never read through the book of Joshua, you'll pick it up. You'll begin to read through it. You'll begin to study it. But I love this study of God's word. You know, 
When I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. Psalms 56.3, we trust in the Lord. Again, in a second, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close out in prayer, but I want to just give you this great challenge, and that is to walk in God's truth. First of all, if you don't have a relationship with Christ, it's very important that you come to know Him. But once you have this relationship with Christ, trust Him. Walk in His truth. Allow Him to walk in and through you. That you may make disciples. You'll go out and teach about God's Word. And you'll be on fire for Him. You'll live for Him and what He's called you to do. And like Joshua, you'll take that step of faith and be like, man, it's an unknown to me. I don't know the future, but I know God. I know Jesus, and I know He's going to walk in and through the truth. Will you bow your heads? Father, Lord, I love you so much, God, and I thank you for each and every one here that we gather together in this midweek Bible study just to seek you, to serve you, to come to know you. And Lord, I, I just pray for each and every one in here, Lord. I don't know what walk of life they're in or where they're at or what they're going through, the challenges they're facing, God, but I know you're faithful. And Father, as we study tonight in Joshua, we see your truth, God. We see your power. We see your strength. And God, I thank you so much that you didn't leave me in the wounded state. You didn't leave me in my sin, Lord. But you stepped down. You reached down to give us life and life more abundantly. That we may have a relationship with the God that created us. And Father, we are thankful and grateful that you didn't leave us in our sins but you sent your Son, your one and only Son, to give His life for us that we may have life. And not just life after death in heaven, but life more abundantly. God, we thank you that you call us to this. And I pray, God, that each and every one of us will be walking in your truth. Lord, it's in your name we pray. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.